God bless each and every one of you. Tonight, uh, we continue to relish in the blessings of the Lord. Uh, every breath that we take, every every step that we make, everything that we are able and, and blessed to be able to do is a blessing from God. So we thank God for this evening. It is good to see you this evening, both members and visitors alike, those online, those who are here in person. Let's please go to God in a word of prayer. Oh, great and magnificent and wonderful Heavenly Father, I praise your holy and divine name. Lord God, we thank you so very much for allowing us to assemble again to worship you. What, a, what an honor to be able to worship you, to be in your midst, to be in your presence, to know that at this hour you are with us. Thank you. We pray, Lord God, that you'll help us to honor Jesus, remembering that amazing sacrifice that was made in our behalf. Help us, Lord God, to understand your word, to grow in our knowledge, wisdom. And help us, Lord God, to be what you want us to be and do what you want us to do. In Jesus' holy and precious name, we pray and thank Thee for be Thy will. Amen. Tonight, please turn to James chapter 1. Uh, when you think of, of David, right, we've, we've been studying over the last uh, several, uh, actually been about a few months now, um, with Scott and Jay Lee, 1st and 2nd Samuel, David. And, and David went through a lot, right? And you all did a great job bringing out so many things about David. When you think about David, the one thing that comes to mind often is, oh, he was a man of God's own heart. You go, yeah. And then another thing that comes to mind is, remember his great sin with, with Bathsheba. He was a great warrior. And you could go down the list and say, there are a lot of things about David that, uh, that are pretty unique and, and interesting. Tonight I want to think about David in a different light. I want to think about David being a man of prayer. And I want to think about his cry to God for help. And I want to think about David, the man who was faced with many difficulties and troubles in life. And I hope that it will be able to uh, relate in some way to our, our, even our pandemic, our struggles that we're going through today. So we're going to James chapter 1 first. Because here's what's important. Here's something we know. Troubling times have a purpose, and it, it or they should draw us closer to God. To some, troubling times pushes them further away. James says in verse 2, chapter 1, Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you, in, you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. And let endurance have its perfect result, that you may be perfect and complete Lacking in nothing. So God says, I want you to look at your trial in a very, in a very different way. Try to find joy. Now, now the, the book of Lamentations says joy cometh in the morning. Uh, Jeremiah, uh, speaks, joy does come in the morning, but, but it's not always tomorrow morning, right? Let's go to, uh, to Psalm chapter uh, 13. So the question that I'm asking you this, this evening is, has this current distress, this pandemic, has it drawn you closer to God or has it pushed you further away 
from God? And only you can answer that question. You look back at your life, you evaluate your life, and you will come up with an answer to that particular question. Have you asked the question, where's God? You know, many folks, our neighbors are asking us that. Where, where is God in this, in this pandemic? It's right here. Do you struggle with being able to give an answer to those who are struggling with us, who don't know God, when they ask that question, where is God in this current pandemic? So David came to a point in his life where he began to feel as if God had abandoned him. And I want to, I want I want you to think about something tonight. I want you to think about the difference between a feeling and a reality. Sometimes we have feelings about things, but those feelings don't always convey the reality. Sometimes our feelings and our emotions get the best of us and we step outside of our reality. And that's what happened to David. And I want us to look at this lesson and think about this tonight. Psalm 13 and verse 1. How long, O Lord, wilt thou forget me forever? How long wilt thou hide thy face from me? Now, in this, in this particular psalm, David is uh, in trouble. And he's crying to God. He's not in trouble with God. He's in trouble with his fellow man, with with Saul in particular. And he's crying to God and he's asking God, how long are you going to forget me, God? I mean, there's trouble everywhere for David at this point. There is trouble on every side in David's life, inside and out. And David's world feels like it's crashing in on him. And so he asks the same question in different ways four different times. He's asking God, how long? Again, verse 1. How long, O Lord, will thou forget me forever? How long will thou uh, hide thy face from me? How long, God? Look at verse 2. How long shall I take counsel in my soul, having sorrow in my heart all the day? How long will my enemies be exalted over me? How long will this pandemic go on? You know, it's, it's, it sometimes seems easier to deal with trials if you could just gain that answer. Okay, Lord, uh, right now my foot hurts. How long is my foot going to hurt? Okay, just a week. All right, Lord, I can deal with that. You can deal with a trial a whole lot easier if you know it's okay. It's only going to be a week and then, and then it's over it. But we don't always know that. In fact, most of the times we do not. David is asking the question, how long, Lord? Now, I want you to go back to 1 Samuel chapter 19. Again, again I know we've gone over this um, through our Bible studies on, on Sunday morning, but let's go look quickly. He's fleeing for his life. And, and listen to the attitude of, of Saul. 1 Samuel 19 and verse 1. The, the Bible says, Now Saul told Jonathan his son and all his servants to put David to death. But Jonathan, Saul's son, greatly delighted in David. Now, to put him to death, y'all go look for him. And when you find him, don't talk to him kill him and he's fleeing David is fleeing for his life chapter 20 look over at verse 30 the Bible says then Saul's anger burned against Jonathan and he said to him you son of a perverse and rebellious woman 
Do I not now know that you are choosing the son of Jesse to your own shame and to the shame of your mother's nakedness? For as long as the son of Jesse lives on the earth, neither you nor your kingdom will be established. Therefore now send and bring him to me, for he must surely die. But Jonathan answered Saul, his father, and said to him, Why should he be put to death? What has he done? Then Saul hurled a spear at him to strike him down. So Jonathan knew that his father had decided to put David to death. In other words, there's no question, David must die. David's saying, God, how long are you going to let this man chase after me to kill me? Chapter 27, 27 in verse 1. The Bible says, get there. Then David said to himself, Now I will perish one day by the hand of Saul. There is nothing better for me than to escape into the land of the Philistines. Saul then will despair of searching for me anymore and in all the territory of Israel, and I will escape from his hand. So imagine this. You run to the enemy to escape from the enemy. That's how bad it was. And then he says, God, how long will you forget me? How long will you look of the other way? How long, O oh God, will I struggle in my anguish or in the anguish of my soul? How long will my enemy have the upper hand on me? How long? But he's not the only one to cry to God in despair. Turn to Psalm 42. Psalm 42. The priest, if you will, asked the same question. You'll find this question answered throughout the Bible. And I'm thankful for the question being asked by uh, godly people because then I gain my answer. And tonight you're going to gain your answer from godly people who also struggle. Psalm 42 and verse 9. The Bible says, I will say to God, my rock, why hast thou forgotten me? Why do I go mourning because of the oppression of the enemy. Why, God? Psalm 44, verse 24. Why dost thou hide thy face and forget our affliction and our oppression? So the question on the table is, God, are you forgetting your people? I mean, this pandemic is going on. God, do you even, I've heard people ask the question, does God even know this is going on? I'm like, What? Has God forgotten about us? How long, Lord, is this thing going to go on? How long are we going to have to go through this? Go to Lamentation. Lamentation chapter uh, chapter 5. I thought it was neat that we went to chapter 3 this morning and we're going to chapter 5 tonight. Verse 19. Thou, O Lord, dost rule forever. Thy throne is from generation to generation. Why dost thou forget us forever? Why dost thou forsake us so long? Why? So have you ever asked that question? Have you ever wondered, God, where are you? Let's turn back to Psalm chapter 13. I hope tonight we'll gain a little more information, a little more insight on on how to answer that question of our neighbors as well as uh, even for ourselves. So David, in Psalm 13, David had the wisdom 
to know that though he felt these powerful emotions, right? He felt these he was, these feelings, and but he realized, wait a minute, wait, I'm praying this, but am I praying in the reality, or am I overcome by emotion? And though this is difficult for us sometimes to do, we have to learn to uh, prepare our minds to step outside of the emotion and remind ourselves of the reality. So Psalm 13, verses 3 and verse 4. The text says, Consider and answer me, O Lord my God. Enlighten my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Lest my enemies say, I have overcome him. Lest my adversaries rejoice when I am awakened. And so here he says, wake me up, God. Right? And in the deepest despair, considering life and death, after Saul is in pursuit, David begins to awaken. He, he begins, his mind, if you will, begins to open up. And, and maybe, for God to open our eyes, sometimes, He's got to shake us up a little bit. Because, you know, we get comfortable with life, right? And, and we kind of, you know, things get out of perspective. And we, we kind of forget. And that's why I do this remembrance of me is every week. Because we forget quickly, right? And so sometimes it seems like God has to shake us up to wake us up. And in Psalm 13 and verse 3, uh, he says, Consider and answer me, O Lord my God, enlighten my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. He didn't say, rescue me from death. He said, wake me up, enlighten my eyes. Think about this for just a moment. Let's turn over to Ephesians chapter 1. Saul of Tarsus was in heavy pursuit, right, with his rage to destroy people who were of the way, Christians. And God had a desire to open his eyes, but in order to open his eyes, he had to close his eyes. And what I'm saying to you tonight is that sometimes the power of closing our eyes is able to wake us up. Sometimes a pandemic or some kind of struggle wakes us up. And helps us to align our priorities again. Because we forget. We become very comfortable and very lax. And you know what it is? It's a rescue mission. Think about this for a moment. If you don't have your guards up and Satan is after you, it's easier for him to overcome you. But if your guards are up, it's much more difficult for Satan to overcome you. And so through suffering, count it all joy, my brethren, through suffering, we're thinking about things in a way that we hadn't thought about them. And so that is really a gift from our God. Enlightenment is very, very critical to our Christian faith. Ephesians chapter 1, beginning at verse 17. Through this prayer, the apostle says, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you a spirit of wisdom and a revelation in the knowledge of Him. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of his glory, of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the surpassing greatness of his power toward us who believe. These are in accordance with the working of the strength of his might. When's the last time you've said, 
You know, we know that God has a power to rid this thing whenever he wants to. We're all right. Or is it more like, hey, when's this thing ever going to end? What's God doing? You know, I don't know. We've got to make sure that we keep right in the right. We have to remind people that God is in complete and total control. And though we don't always like the control of God, meaning God is allowing this pandemic to go on, God is allowing people to suffer, God is allowing certain things to happen. It's called life. We're physical beings. We're living in a physical world, and we're going to have physical struggles. But it doesn't change who God is. But sometimes, because of difficulty, we begin to trust our feelings. Turn to Proverbs, please, chapter 28. David wants God to enlighten him. Because David knows something. David knows that the trust in your feelings is not very wise when it comes to God. Proverbs 28 and verse 26 says, He who trusts in his own heart is a fool. But he who walks wisely will be delivered. Trusting in your feelings when it comes to God is not wise. You don't have to even do that. You know, if you say to yourself, you step away from something, you say, well, how does God feel about this? Just start reading. He'll tell you. Right? You don't have to guess with God. But sometimes we begin the guessing game and we lose the ability because of the guessing game to trust in God. He'll tell you. You just have to read and read and read. And you know what's funny? The more you read, the more you'll forget anyway. <laughs> right? You'll forget what you were angry about. You'll forget what you were upset about. You'll forget what you were struggling with. It's a great therapeutic book, isn't it? You just start reading it. How long, oh God, will I cry for help and you forget me? Well, enlighten me, Lord. Has God ever forgotten David? Has God ever forgotten you? How would you answer that question? Please turn to John chapter 15. Has God ever forgotten you? You know, the simple answer is absolutely not based on the Scripture. Now, maybe you might feel like God has forgotten you. Someone called me one time. I get calls, you know, yeah, brother, I just feel like God has forgotten me. Really? Well, where did you get that from? Why do you feel that way? Well, because, and then they start this, down this long rabbit trail of list of things, and they go, all right, but let's go read the Bible. And read the Bible and says, God's I'll never forget you. It's like, oh, well, there you go. I guess you were wrong. Don't trust your feelings. It's just as simple as that. We have to go back to the Word to get the answer from God. So John 15 and verse 7, the first thought. Uh, if you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it shall be done for you. That means God is listening, doesn't it? Always listening. You're walking, you're walking with God and you think that walking with God, that God's going to forget you? No, God will never forget you when you're walking with Him. But sometimes, brother, we feel like, don't trust your feelings. Back to Psalm 13. See, that's what has the religious world in trouble today. They're like, well, I go to this church because I just feel so alive here because the music is going. Don't trust your feelings. <laughs> They'll get you into a lot of trouble. Verse 5, listen to what David says. He's starting to snap out of this. 
but I have trusted in thy loving kindness. My heart shall rejoice in thy salvation. Now, how does he go? Look, full circle. He goes from, well, God, you, you know, how long you, you forgot me? For, forever? I mean, when's God ever going to remember me? When will you give, uh, stop giving, uh, uh, you know, power over my, you know, me with my enemies? And how long, oh Lord? How long? How long? And then he says, whoa, whoa, wait, 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 wait. God, enlighten me. And then he comes full circle and, and says, but I, I have trusted in thy loving kindness. My heart shall rejoice in thy salvation. Will God ever forget? Let's get some book on that. Turn to Isaiah chapter 49, please. Isaiah chapter 49. I'd like to read to you. because See, Israel had the same issue. Israel thought. And let me, let me give you some context. In the Bible, when most times, except for we're talking about David right now, is not necessarily at this moment because of sin. But when do people feel like God has forgotten them? Usually when they're suffering a consequence from their sin. Right? Number one. And then other times it's just in sickness. It's just when things aren't going well. How many Christians have you ever heard when think the job's going well, the marriage is going well, everything's looking good, and then they come to you and say, hey, preacher, you know what? I think God forgot me. Never. Never. I have never had a Christian or a worldly person or anyone ever say to me, when things are going great, you know, I think God's forgotten me. It's only when I don't like the way things are going. And then I blame whom? God. See, God's he's, he's a scapegoat. He's the easy way out. That's not how we're supposed to live our lives, church. Let's get the answer. What God, will you ever forget us? Well, Israel thought that God had forgotten them too. Isaiah 49, beginning at verse 14. But Zion, that's Israel, but Zion said, the Lord has forsaken me and the Lord has forgotten me. Can a woman forget her nursing child? This is coming from the Lord. And have no compassion on the son of her womb? Even these may forget, but I will not forget you. Behold, I have inscribed you on the palms of my hands. Your walls are continually before me. God says, how can I, you're right here every day. You're before my eyes. You are in my midst. You are my child. You might forget, but I'm God. I will never forget you. I got the answer now. And when you get the answer from God, the next step is what? You got to believe it, right? You have to believe it. Psalm 13, in this prayer, it seems like, in prayer, David's beginning to wake up. You know, his prayer, you know, his request. Enlighten my eyes. And, you know, he's asking God to wake, God, wake me up. And in verse 5 and verse 6, But I have trusted in thy loving kindness. My heart shall rejoice in thy salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. Oh, now it's starting to make sense. He's waking up because now he's remembering. Wait a minute. Turn back to First Samuel uh, chapter 17. Wait a minute. Hang on for just a second. Has God ever forgotten me? Trusting in God for peace and salvation. Sometimes doing your prayer, if you're, you're just trusting God, and you're trusting God. Sometimes even doing your prayer, God will wake you up. Because you'll start talking and you'll remind yourself of something. You'll remember something. Oh, you know, that's right. God is the same God today, 
tomorrow, forever, tomorrow. Yes, God is the same God. So as David's praying this prayer, and he goes from, from despair to, wait a minute, I've trusted in God for my salvation. Here's one of the things that he could have remembered. First Samuel 17 and verse 34. But David said to Saul, Your servant was tending his father's sheep. And when a lion or a bear came and took a lamb from the flock, I went out after him and attacked him and rescued it from the mouth. And when he rose up against me, I seized him by his beard and struck him and killed him. And, you know, David remembers that was all God. Now, I want you to think about that. We're Alaskans. I have a salmon. And here comes a brownie. And he takes it. And I say, no. And I run after the bear with a knife, my fillet knife. And then I grab him by the beard, right? It doesn't even make sense, does it? But that's something that David reflected on that happened in his life. Because of the great power of God. You see, the more we remind ourselves of the great power of God in our lives, the things that God has done for us, those things that were seemingly impossible that only God could get the credit for, If you remind yourself continually of that, when you find yourself in despair, you will find that joy does come in the morning because the God whom we serve is in complete and total control and He has not forgotten us. Back to Psalm, please, chapter 13. Not only has He not forgotten us, He will never forget us, which means He has never forgotten us. And David remembered that. And he closes out this psalm in verse 6 and says, I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. So he gets up from this prayer, if you will. He gets up from writing this psalm and he says, Oh Lord, you are good. And he starts singing that great song about the greatness of God. Because joy cometh in the morning. David does something that we ought to do. He reflects on his life. You think about your life, right? Think about as you've cried to God for help, you look to God for help. Think about how many times, how often, as a child of God, you've cried to God for help. You've prayed, God, please. And how many times has God helped you? Think about that. I've been a Christian for X number of years. Think about that. How many times have you cried to God in despair for help and God rescued you? It didn't always come the way you thought it was going to come. And it definitely didn't come when you wanted it to come. But it always came right on time. And you reflect over your life. And when bad things are going on in your life, instead of dwelling on that bad situation, start thinking about reflecting on all the things that God has done for you over the days of your life, the span of your life. Look at Psalm 37. You know this one. In verse 25, here's another picture of David. He said, I have been young. That was the psalm we just read. He's a young man. Psalm 13. I have been young, and now I am old. Yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken 
or his descendants begging bread. How long, O Lord? Oh, you know what? God has never forsaken me. Be nice if you had that Psalm 13. You read it, and then you read the other other page, and it says, "Oh, but this is what God did in my deliverance." Has God ever forsaken you? Please turn to Hebrews chapter 13. We might forsake Him, but God will never forsake His people ever. Sometimes we have to. Ref- Refresh our minds, remind ourselves of that very reality. Let's get some book on it. What does God say? Hebrews 13, 5. Let your character be free from the love of money, being content with what you have. For he himself has said, I will never desert you, nor will I ever forsake you. So that we may confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What? shall man do to me. God says, I will never, ever leave you or forsake you. Which means, God has never, ever left us or forsaken us. A cry for help. Tonight, as we cry to God for help, we're asking God, how long? We already have the answer. The perfect time period. And this will all be over. God's time. God's time is always perfect. We have to trust that. We have to trust our God and allow our faith to not only shine in a, in a dark and cruel world, but to give hope to a lost and dying world who don't know what it's like to serve God. Let them see our spirits of optimism and joy, and happiness in our Lord Jesus Christ. Remember that Christ is not only by our side, but God is leading us through. And so tonight, if you're struggling in your faith, let us pray with you or pray for you. Tonight, if you're not a child of God, come to God, surrender, submit to Him in the waters of baptism. Let God save you. Only God can save you. The lesson is yours. I thank you tonight for your time and pray that something has been said to encourage you in some way. You might continue to lift Jesus up in your heart and in your mind, bringing glory and honor unto his name. God bless you and thank you again for your time.